We turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to uh, look at um, verses um, 16 through 19 of chapter 5. Just to remember where we were last week, um, we see that we are under a new mastery now that Christ now rules and reigns over us because He purchased us, because He redeemed us by His blood. And so, uh, He has died, and therefore, Paul says, we have died. We now live, and in our being, live to serve Christ. So tonight, we look at these verses. I just want to cover something real quick. In the first verse 16, it talks about flesh here. And you might read that and think, is he talking about viewing someone as a person? But here, Paul means flesh as far as a sinful person. A sinful mindset, how we viewed others and how we viewed Christ. That has changed. The flesh has been changed in Christ that we no longer regard people uh, the way we did when we were completely dead in our sin, nor do we regard Christ that way. So let's look and see about this transforming work of Christ and how he has reconciled us uh, to himself, to others, to this uh, mission in the world. So let's pray. Our gracious God, we thank you for this word that has been set before us, a word that has no error, a word that has come from your very mouth. So you speak to us tonight, God, and I pray that as you speak to us, it would be the same kind of power that's active in creation, that you would create life, that you would restore us to a right relationship with you, that if there be anyone in this room who has had ears that could not hear their whole life, that tonight, for the first time, they might hear of Christ and of the love of God for them. Lord, you can do this work. Your Spirit does this work. We pray, Lord, that we would see it in our presence now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Beginning with verse 16. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard Him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ... God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. This is God's Word for His people. Amen? Amen. Uh, This evening, we will see that the Gospel has fully and completely reconciled us to God. So we'll consider how this transformation happens in three points. One, a new creation, two, a new relationship, and three, a new message. So first, a new creation. Uh, I love old Jeeps, um, and, and if you're ever interested in buying an old Jeep, there's something you have to know to ask the person when you, when you call them and inquire about the Jeep. You always ask, because they're prone to it, is there any rust on the frame underneath? Most of the time they'll say, no, 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 no rust. And you'll go and you'll, you'll see the Jeep. And then you see something that kind of uh, sends up some red flags. Shiny black paint on the bottom of the Jeep. 
No rust that can be seen. Now you can paint over rust, but it does not stop the rot that will continue to grow. And eventually, it will be the death of the Jeep. It has the appearance of newness, but it is the same Jeep with the same cancer. I don't know of better news for us this evening than what the Gospel promises us. Have you ever had the desire for a new and complete start? Often a person comes to the conclusion, I have made an awful mess of things. If only, if only I could go back and, and I could start over and try to do it differently. If only I could take back the things that I said or have another shot at rectifying broken relationship. We often make a push to be a new person today or will ourselves into remaking ourselves. And there are countless books on restarting or revamping or recreating oneself into a better person. You know, the 12 steps to the better you. Self-help then becomes self-delusion. We can't paint this out. We can paint this outer shell. We can dress ourselves up as something new. But beneath it lies a problem that we are unable to. To fix every part of our being. All of us completely is in rebellion to God apart from Christ and are defined as spiritually dead. In verse 17, Paul lays out for us the key aspects of the gospel. The gospel transforms what is ruined what is marred, and it creates something completely new. Children, it's not a band-aid. The Gospel is not a band-aid. It is a completely new beginning. So how do we start anew? Paul tells us the order of things in the Gospel. Newness doesn't come from within us. It is from totally outside of us. We don't transform our life by digging inwards and, and mopping the floor of our broken nature. Instead, we look and we turn our eyes to Christ Jesus. That's what Paul's telling us to do. Look to Christ. And he says, if anyone is in Christ... He is, not he might be or he has the appearance of, he is a new creation. For those who believe, amen, right? You know yourself and you know your heart. He says you're a new creation. Believe it. It is a fact. To be in Christ is to look to him in faith, to receive his promises given by Him and be in union with Him to be in Christ means that we are joined to a new family. It's those things we just read in the catechism. It's not separated. He justifies us. He adopts us. Right? This is what Paul's describing. Before, you were in Adam. Attached to Him as, as like fruit to a tree. So that we... Uh, we bear His guilt and we bear His nature. But to be in Christ is to be transplanted to a different tree and a different nature. It is completely new. It is something that we didn't have before and now we do. 
all die apart from Christ, but in Him we all live. What is that life? Paul says, you are a new creation and this is radical language. It is as radical as the tomb that was empty when they went to look for the Christ. It is as radical as Lazarus rising up after being in there and stinking right after four days walking out. It is as radical as what Jesus says to Nicodemus. If you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to be born again. Radical. No one will enter the new heavens or earth if they have not first been made new. He doesn't bring old, dilapidated things into His home. Only those that have been made new. Christ is life. And He produces life. And He takes that which is spiritually dead, eaten over and destroyed by sin. You know, that that rust that rots the frame, that cancer inside. And He gives new spirit and new life. And now I know, I know that you hear that and you say, okay, new creation. I see what you're saying, Paul. But you feel the tension, don't you? Right? I'm new. But you don't always see yourself as new. Why? Because of the old man and the flesh. It rears its ugly head and you think thoughts that you shouldn't think and you say and do things which betray this reality. And the desires that rise up out of this heart shock us sometimes. The things that we want that God says you can't have, those things that are death, it rises up. You go, where is that coming from? I thought I was a new creation. What's that very thing? That Paul describes this this war between the flesh and the spirit that tells us something new has happened in us. In which Paul, even Paul says in Romans 7, who will deliver me from this, this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So that feeling that Paul describes, you can look back to verse 4. He says, while we're in this tent, this body, we groan. And we wish to be further clothed. We wish to have the complete newness, right? That he's describing. The new body too. I get the Spirit. I want everything new. So that what is mortal might be swallowed up by life. Don't you see? This has first started in a soul that has been regenerated and is a new creation. So that as it were... The new creation of life in you first inwardly is working its way out and you are caught up in the entire flow of what God is doing in this earth so that when He brings us to the very end of all things in Revelation 21 and and Him seated on the throne says to John uh, in power, He says, Behold, I am making all things new. You're caught up in that, in this new creation that has begun in you so that now, being in Christ, He is working out the newness that began within, within and the old has passed away and the new has come. You've been fully restored in regeneration, in design, in glory, and purpose. What has been made new spiritually will one day be made new physically. And every time Satan whispers in your ear, did God 
really say? I mean, look at yourself. Did he really say that? Could that really be true? You can answer, I am in Christ. I am new. I am no longer in your prison or under your grasp. I am new. It's not the old man. So Christ has made us a new creation. And this means then that we are in a new relationship. Our second point. Regenerated as a new creation also means that we have been restored to a new uh, relationship. And this is entirely an act of God. This means if you're seeking to right your relationship to God by your own means, you have made no more advance than a man who gets down on his knees at the beach with some tweezers and decides to start stacking grains of sand as the tide rolls in. The gospel isn't a band-aid. It is an action of God to rectify what was lost in the garden where Adam severed relationship with God when he disobeyed him. And God, painfully as you read it, exiles him and sends him out of the garden. And there's nothing that Adam can do to go back in and walk with God the way he used to walk with him. And it's a chasm. A chasm of broken relationship that is insurmountable by human effort. Verse 19, look what God does. From God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself. That's cosmic reconciliation. Just as we can peer into the heavens and see the, flay, the, the faint glimmer of stars that are light years away and you, can, you can't reach out and touch them and you can't travel to them. So is the brokenness and the the expanse between us and a perfectly holy God. And so what it takes is cosmic reconciliation. Colossians 1.20 That through Christ He has reconciled us to Himself. All things on earth which you can see and heaven so far away He has brought them crashing together making peace through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? And it isn't a matter of him owning his part and, and, and we own ours in broken relationship. It's completely one-sided. We are the offenders and he comes to us with no wrong on his part. No wrong done by him. And yet he would stop at nothing to bear the guilt in our stead. Now, my great anxiety over this sermon has been, how can I communicate to you such love? When I say God loves you, I feel that I have still so under-communicated the immensity of what God expresses to us in His Word. And I'm left struggling uh, myself sometimes. I know you are. Can I really believe that? How can, I, how can I explain to you His very being, which is love? We, we know love from a human perspective that it rises and falls. That uh, one thing that we could hold in our hand as a treasure that we loved dearly years later could be dead to us. That we couldn't care for it anymore. You know, I say I love Ruth, but I also say I love candy. 
infinite, infinitely different in degrees. We know love that is only as great as how it's reciprocated to us from another person. But God's love is altogether different. He is love. Not He loves. He is love. It's who He is. It's His character. It's His attribute. And it doesn't diminish or, or, uh, uh, or lose its power or its depth and its, its width any more than God does. So when He says, I love you, it's something different altogether. And what Paul is describing to us is love beyond even our comprehension. Through Christ, He has reconciled us to Himself. That is through His own Son. He has restored us to a relationship with Him. And here is love that He would bear the cost Himself of reconciliation. Verse 19, He would not count their trespasses against them. And that doesn't mean that in heaven... Accounting has you know, some shoddy record keeping or there's some kind of divine cooking the books. It doesn't mean He just forgets about them and moves on. He didn't just make sin magically disappear like it never happened. Instead, they were taken from us and they were laid on God's own Son. We're going to dive more into that Next week, as we get to one of the most beautiful verses for me in the Bible, what happens in reconciliation for us was first won on the cross. It was described in Isaiah 53. He was pierced for our transgressions, crushed for our iniquities, and by His wounds we are healed. This is how God purchased and procured us to be in relationship with Him. There's nothing more beautiful than that. That He bore the offense Himself. So that to be reconciled means to exchange hostility for a friendly relationship. That's the message here. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son so that we would be called sons and daughters of the living God. Christ became the enemy in our stead, and He was the outcast. He was forsaken. You remember the cry from the cross? And this is the only way that the infinite chasm between us and God may be bridged. It's a new relationship. And completely fixed. Completely rectified. So that we may know ourselves to be as much sons and daughters of God as Christ is. Do you understand that? Do you understand that this is what it means to be in Christ? He looks at us as He does His own Son. And He will no more part with you than He would His risen Son. This is what I mean when I say God loves you. And there are imperatives that come from receiving this love of God in this new relationship. You have been re reconciled to God to ha and have been given something. He, he gave us, Paul says, a ministry. 
You are a living and breathing miracle of God. Resurrected uh, beings made new in Christ. You are to go, verse 18, in the ministry of reconciliation. We have a new relationship with God and the world. And we who have experienced the power of God and salvation in Christ Jesus have a message that is too great and too wonderful to hide away or to keep in our homes or to hide in this building. We were talking in staff meeting and Sarah pointed out, would you ever, uh, when you're out with your spouse, hide the fact that you were married to them? To, to, to conceal that you two were together and say, I don't, I don't, I don't know this person. She, she keeps following me around. I don't know what's going on here. That's not the way that it works. And, and why would it be so with God? The one who's purchased us and redeemed us. He has, uh, he is, uh, we have entrusted uh, our salvation to him. And now he entrusts to us this, this message of salvation to a lost and dying world. God has made us new creations, not just to be something new that we feel good, that those things are past, but he's given us a new relationship both to him and to the world. And finally, we see that this gives us a new message. The message is not new to God. He's been talking about it since the beginning of the Bible all the way to the end from Genesis 3.15 where He promised a Son that will see through all the way to the returning of the Son where we will dwell with Him forever. And He's shown us that He hasn't abandoned mankind but desires reconciliation with His people. The new message was for us like the deaf man that you read in Mark 7. For the first time, the, the, the first voice that he ever hears is the Christ speaking to him. After he opened up his ears, he hears Christ. And what does he do? He does go, man, I am so glad that I can finally hear again. No, the first thing he does, even despite Christ saying, please don't, is he runs out and he tells everybody. So that when the other people hear it, they go, who is this man that heals the deaf? and opens the eyes of the blind and causes the mute to speak. He makes us alive to the message of salvation and redemption. And this message is to be made known to the world. Verse 19, in Christ God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting the trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. He has entrusted it to us. I'm almost out of time, so I'm going fast forward here. What does this practically look like for us? I know you're, you're tired. It, it probably feels like in this season, we get it. You guys want us to do evangelism. You're serious about it. Okay, but what does it mean? What am I supposed to do, right? Well, one, Paul tells us, he tells us the message. It's right there that God has loved us in such a way that he does not count our trespasses away from us. Now listen, that is like a bright light shining in a dark world. They need to hear it. There is no hope. There's no hope of renewing oneself, of, of redeeming oneself. That's the message. Practically, what does it look like? How, what can you be doing day in and day out, season your speech with Christ? In what ways can, you know, someone asks you how you're doing? We say, I'm, I'm, it's a good day. What about Christ has been so good to me? They might say, what does that mean? Or that's odd. It might get them thinking, right? Just season your, your sentences with Christ anywhere you can throw Him in. 
We've got Christianity Explorer. We're spending an immense amount of time preparing for it. Start now. Who may I invite? Who can I talk to? Right? It takes away some of the fear, right? I can at least bring them to a place where someone else will do the talking. Invite them. Uh, my, tell them now. Don't wait till it's like a week before that they might plan or keep refreshing their mind that it's coming. Invite them to church. We are committed as a session as pastors, and you should fire us if it doesn't happen to give you Christ from the pulpit when we stand up here. Bring them where they might hear it and pray, pray, pray. Let it always be upon your lips for the sake of those who do not know Christ because the message is good. He will fully restore and make new. Amen. Let's pray.